Welcome to the Men's Global Livestream. If you have a Bible, I want you to hold a couple spots in Hosea chapter 1 and Matthew 19. We're starting a new series called Crazy Asks, and let's start this series with a simple question. Have you ever said to someone, or maybe you just said to yourself, that's a big ask, right? The idea is that someone's not asking to borrow a wrench or for you to pick them up at the airport. The idea is the ask is way bigger than that. In fact, what they're asking of or from you is emotionally uncomfortable. Uh, what they're asking of or from you is going to stretch the bounds of the relationship. Uh, what they're asking, uh, you don't know what's going to happen if you say yes. In fact, if you say yes, there's a risk of loss to you because you just don't know what the outcome is before the fact. When someone makes a big ask of us, it tests the trust in the relationship. And the idea here is that kind of the best and strongest relationships require that testing and that trusting uh, under pressure where the bounds of the relationship are stretched, but it doesn't break. It actually gets stronger and it gets closer. Now, why do we start this way? Because the Bible reveals that God doesn't allow his men to coast in their commitment and relationship with him. And he makes crazy asks. He makes big asks that cause us to kind of pause and to think. And we say things to ourselves like, doesn't he know me? Doesn't he know how I'm wired? Why would he ask me to do that? Right? Well, welcome to the club. Think of all the men and women in the Bible where after God either declared that he was going to do something or declared that something was going to happen to them or asked them to do something that was way beyond their capacity, he follows it up with, and don't be afraid, right? So God is all about taking us out of our religious comfort zones and bringing us into some real expressions of faith for our sake and for his purposes. And so uh, for part one, what we want to do is we just, we want to do what we do all the time on the men's global live stream. We just kind of want to get underneath why does God do this? And to do that, I kind of brought us to this passage, which I love, which is uh, in Matthew 19. And let me give you some context. There is a religious guy, and he's a wealthy guy, and he's a he's pretty good follower of God, at least in his own perception. He has a pretty good sense of his religious self. And he asked Jesus, what can I do? to get eternal life. And Jesus replies, well, keep the commands and love your neighbor as yourself. And the, the young man, we'll call him the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler uh, goes, okay, check, got that, kept the commands, I'm keeping them all, and uh, check, I'm loving my neighbor uh, as myself. I do all those things, right? And that's where we kind of want to roll the film and pick up the conversation in Matthew 19, verses 20 to 25. The young man said, what do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. 
Then Jesus said to the disciples, Truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So you kind of step back from this situation. And what do we see? Well, we see a guy who's a spiritual person, and he's coasting spiritually. He's, he's comfortable materially. He's confident in his life situation, and he's coming to Jesus to kind of accessorize his life and, and get affirmed that, that he's on the right track. And Jesus sees past his religious exterior to get to his real love, to get to his real affection, and he exposes an idol. And the way he does it is pretty clever. He just makes a crazy ask, right? Which is, hey, why don't you go sell all your possessions, give some money to the poor, and then come and, and follow me. You see, the, the rich young ruler thought he could accessorize his life with Jesus, and Jesus was saying, no, you can't have it your way and have it my way, so I'm just going to ask you to do something, and we'll see what's, what's under the hood. And this interaction uh, gives any God's man, uh, any follower of Christ, kind of an idea about why God makes these big asks of us, right? It's to, it's to reveal what's really there. So let's look at some things that, uh, that tell us why God makes the big asks of us in our relationship with him. Number one, it's to grow us spiritually, all right? The rich young ruler was coasting. He was confident in his coasting. He was comfy, right? He wasn't growing. He wasn't stretching. I know there's a lot of us, including me, where I get into these seasons where I'm just doing the motions. I'm, I've got my spiritual routine. I'm going to the right places. I'm carrying around the right book. I'm singing the right songs. But my faith muscle isn't getting stretched, isn't getting challenged. That was this rich young ruler. So God makes big ass to grow us spiritually. Second, he does it to measure our commitment. Right? Not our external commitment, as you can see, because the guy on the outside was pretty well put together, all right? He was keeping the commands. He was loving his neighbor as himself. But God measures our commitment, not externally or our behaviors. He measures it internally. Man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. One of my favorite Bible passages, right? So God makes big asks to see what's really going on on the inside to see our, where our affections are really are. Are they for some someone or something or some sin other than God? Jesus goes past the external to the internal. Number three, God makes big asks to fulfill his purpose. You notice that Jesus asks the, the rich young ruler, hey, why don't you go sell your possessions and bless people? All right? Not just, you know, go sell them and keep all the money. No, let's let's move from, you know, self-protection and self-preservation, and let's get into uh, blessing 
other people and storing up treasure in heaven. And that's God's purpose. Do you know right, to, right now today, God is probably making some big asks of you. He's stretching you. And what does he want to do? Well, he wants to bless others as you say yes to him. And he wants you to store up treasure in heaven. Number four, God makes big asks to show himself faithful. You see, Jesus replaces the perceived loss of material things and his possessions with himself. Do you notice that he says, hey, go sell all your possessions and then give to the poor and then come and follow me. And this is classic Jesus. Whatever the perceived loss is, as we say yes to kind of a crazy ask, right? Jesus says, I guarantee you won't regret it. I'm going to replace that with myself. And I'm going to, uh, I'm going to bless you, but you got to trust me, right? Seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, Jesus says in Matthew 6. And all these things will be added unto you. But between seeking first and all these things being added to us, uh, things that God decides, not the things that we decide. But in between there is a choice to respond to the seeking of the kingdom the way God calls us to, not the way we're comfortable with. And so God makes big asks to grow us spiritually, measure our commitment, fulfill his purpose, show himself faithful, okay? And then lastly, God makes big asks based on his capacity, right? You notice in the situation that the rich young ruler had his capacity, which he wanted to self-protect, right? He had his wealth, and he didn't want to commingle his love of wealth with his relationship with God, right? And so when Jesus says, hey, go sell your possessions and give some money to the poor, then come and follow me, he thinks, you know what, that guy right there, he doesn't have the capacity to make up for what I'm going to lose if I say yes to his crazy ask, right? And then after he walks away sad and misses this great opportunity to see just how faithful God is, to experience God's purpose, to, to really enter in, not into more religion, but into more relationship and spiritual life and adventure, um, he turns to the disciples and he says, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. You see, a lot of times we come to God and we're living our life in God. And then God says, hey, I want you to do that. And you go, mm, oh, uh, I don't know if, if I can do that, right? No, you can't. That's the fact of the matter. That's why God's asking you to do it. You can't do what God's asking you to do unless God intervenes. I can't tell you how many crossroads where God said, I want you to do this. And I went, I can't do that. And he said, exactly, Kenny. And that's what God's saying right now to hundreds of guys right now. Because I know that God's stretching you. I know that he's asking you to go to places that you've never gone before and do things that you've never done before, right? And you cannot do it in your own power and in your own capacity. Why? Because Jesus tells us, with man, that's impossible. 
Never going to happen. All right? But with God, all things are possible. What does all things mean? All things. So for those of you who God is saying you to stay in a relationship, God is telling you to give up yourself in service, God is telling you to write a check to support a ministry, God is telling you that you have to sacrifice your schedule to be available for someone, whatever it is, all right? All right, whatever the perceived loss is of your time, your treasure, whatever, okay, you can't make all that up. God can. And so that's why we're doing this series. So understanding with God that all things are possible, that kind of gives us the, well, that's impossible set of glasses. And God goes, here, why don't you try these on? All things are possible, all right? And with those set of glasses on, when he makes his, his crazy ask, that, that ask of you to, to go toward him, to do his will in a way that you've never done before, we can do what it says in the Bible in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do you see the, the action verbs in there? It's trusting in the Lord versus what? In myself, right? Leaning to his understanding, which is infinite and wise and all-knowing, and leaning not on our own understanding. Submitting all our ways to him. Habits, lifestyle, being, believing, behaving, all our ways, right? Submitting, and then what, is, what does God do? God does two things. He creates and he accelerates. That's what the Bible says. And he will make, all right? He'll create your path straight. And a straight path is an accelerated path to his destiny for you. So when you understand who it is that's behind the ask, and you understand why God makes big ask crazy, right? Faith stretching, right? He does it for specific reasons based on his capacity. And when you understand those things, you can put on the glasses of trust. Trusting, leaning, submitting in him, God starts creating and making new paths. I'm telling you, for those of you who are watching right now, you're kind of stuck in a rut and your life is stagnant, all right? God's going to ask you to do something and you're going to think, wait, look at my circumstances. That's crazy. My coaching to you, my brother, is to say yes, all right? And now we're going to look at a guy where he was in that exact situation. His name's Hosea. He's a man of God, like you and me. And God made a crazy ask of Hosea where we would say to ourselves, you can't be serious, all right? So think about it. You're a man of God, and you have this happen to you. Let's go to Hosea chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. The Lord gave this message to Hosea, son of Beeri, during the years when Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah were the kings of Judah. And Jeroboam, son of Joash, was king of Israel. 
When the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. So Hosea married Gomer, the daughter of Deblame, and she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. Can we just pause for a sec and put ourselves in this man of God's shoes? This is a guy who works at the highest level of a nation. He is an advisor, spiritual advisor to kings. He has a reputation as God's man. He um, has a lot of dignity. He has a lot of honor that he walks around with. He has a lot of reputation. And what does God ask this person to do to make a point? He says, go marry a prostitute and make babies to illustrate how Israel is has prostituted herself, given herself, given her heart, given her body to foreign gods and entered into relationship with a prostitute. Wow. So this is a crazy ask, and let's look at some reasons why. It's a crazy ask because it goes against all reason. All right? That's your first measure, right? Holy and unholy. Man of God, prostitute, right? Clean and unclean, right? God and sin. This goes against all reason. But guess what? Those are the kind of asks that God makes of God's man. Second, it goes against all norms, right? It goes against all moral norms, all ethical norms, all societal norms norms, and all religious norms. Norms in a culture are like inertia, right? They're the pillars, right? Where everybody follows the social norms, okay? And then you got this crazy ask that just, it's like, there you go, social norms. But you see, sometimes God will ask us, to go against the trends and social norms in our culture. Third, it goes against all honor, right? It violates and it pollutes Hosea's reputation. Basically, like, wow, okay. I mean, this is an intentional scandal, right? It's not a scandal that was kept secret and then there's this, you know, there's a private thing going on between a pastor and a prostitute, which goes on. But this is a public thing. Go and marry a prostitute publicly. Wow. So it violates and it pollutes all honor. And then fourth, it goes against all dignity. No self-respecting man of God would intentionally 
and publicly choose to humiliate himself in that way. All right? So let's kind of drill down and let's see a little bit more about what Hosea did. And we find that in Hosea chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. And this is Hosea talking. The Lord said to me, Go, show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. Those are food sacrificed to idols. So, Hosea says, I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a leaf sack of barley. And then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or intimate with any man. And I will behave the same way toward you. So what you see is that Homer, um, Hosea and Gomer started this relationship, right? Against all reason, all norms, all honor, all dignity. Hosea does it because his internal process says, okay, who's doing the asking? What's his character? And do I trust him? And the person doing the asking is God. I do trust his character, right? And that strong ask, right, is going to get my strong trust because God is who I know him to be. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to do it. He does it. You can see that Gomer's pattern of living doesn't change. So he publicly humiliates himself. Then she re-humiliates him because she goes out on him. Right? She's loved by another man. She's sleeping around. Right? And God says, hey, go show love to your wife again. Wow. So, I mean, it's like pouring lemon juice in the cut. Right? But what does Hosea do? He knows who's asking. He knows God's character. He, he does trust God and his character. And so he, does, he goes. He re, re-ups on the relationship with Gomer and he repurchases he purchases her in this this situation. And so when we look at this crazy ask of God so that God's purpose and communication to his people can get to them, you know, Homer sacrifices for God's purposes to advance into the hearts of his people. And here's a headline for Hosea, right? impossible to responsible. I know for a fact that Hosea, given the culture that he lived in, just went, you gotta be kidding me. I mean, there was pause. I don't know the incubation time between when God asked it and when Hosea actually did it, but I gotta believe there was a little pause because it was so crazy. And that's what we do because that's a big ask. And we kind of think through We need some time to think, okay, am I going to do that or not do that? Who's doing the asking? What's the character behind the person and do I trust them? And he goes forward. And what does that impossible ask move to? In faith. Responsible, right? The ask is seemingly impossible. And then because Hosea knows God, and even though this is crazy and it doesn't make sense, on all these levels. I know him, so I'm going to set aside why it doesn't make sense, and I'm going to put on my trust in the Lord glasses and not lean on my own understanding 
And in all my ways, I'm going to submit to him, and he's going to make my path straight. He's responsible in, in faith to honor God's ask. And what happens? He undignifies himself. He woos a worthless woman in that culture. And he divests himself of his own worth and he gives it to her even though she doesn't deserve it. And and then he takes her under his protection and his provision and then he calls her to commit to him. I mean, is that worth a wow? I mean, I think it is. I can't imagine if God asked me to do what Hosea was asked to do today just to make his point to the world. But there is this understanding in the man of God of, I know him, I know his character, I don't understand the purpose or plan, but I'm going to do what he says and he's going to have to sort it all out. Um, And there's a wonderful and beautiful reason in that time for why God asked Hosea to do that. And there's a wonderful and beautiful reason ahead when God is relating to us because Jesus did the same thing. You go to the scripture in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, and you see the parallel of Hosea and Jesus and Gomer and us. Listen to Listen to what Jesus did, right? In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Being in very nature, God, he did not regard equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Wow. I don't know the conversation that happened between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but that's a big ask for a holy God to enter into relationship and become like sinful man. Wow, but that's what the Bible teaches. So you've got Hosea and Gomer, and then you have, I wanted you to hear this, you've got Christ and me. And we see Jesus do some things. Let's write these down. Really important, powerful, sobering. First thing Jesus did is he undignified himself for me. A king becomes a slave. And then second, Jesus wooed me, just like Hosea did with Gomer. Jesus wooed me with his words and his love and the price that he paid to have a relationship with me. He convinced me, and he wooed me by his person, by his sacrifice, and by the blood that he spilled. Third, Jesus joined himself to me. 
Just like he died for sin, I die to sin. Just like he resurrected from the dead, I'm alive. I'm, I'm now dead to sin, but now I'm alive to God. Just like he ascended and is seated at the right hand of the Father, I'm seated with him in that place, and I can go and enter into that place, and I can see things from that place and from a heavenly, eternal perspective while I'm living on earth. Right? That's why Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ, and now it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Wow. When someone dies for you, that permanently identifies them with your life. Fourth, Jesus took me under his protection. Hosea takes Gomer under his protection right? And his worth goes on her and over her. His, his home becomes her home. His provision becomes her provision. All that is his becomes hers and available to her. That's the same thing that happened when we first believed in the person and work of Christ and we crossed the line in faith. We came under the glorious, wonderful protection and provision of Jesus. Fifth, Jesus gives me his dignity and honor. Right? Just like Gomer would now be treated differently because of her connection to God's man, Hosea. How heaven looks at me and how I will be treated in heaven, my permanent home, is going to be different because of how Jesus has projected and imputed his righteousness and his dignity and honor. The Bible talks about how we're robed with righteousness now. It's almost like, here, you. this is your all-access pass. It's like the picture is of a robe coming on someone, a royal robe. And so when I, when I, when I have that royal robe of Christ's righteousness, I'm accepted permanently. My worth is never in question. The fight's over. Wow. Number six, Jesus faithfully loves me in spite of me. Did you notice in the story of Hosea and Gomer that she's not perfect and he has to go and love her again? I just want you to know that no matter what you've done, no matter how many mistakes you've made, Jesus' love is permanent. It's permanent, it's secure, you can't lose it. And that should motivate you to do one thing, to repent, to have a change of mind about the way you're living, you know, because that is what we call grace. You still get, you still got God's favor even when you don't deserve it, right? That's mercy. The justice of maybe taking or inserting a consequence for the mistake is taken away. Justice is set aside. Why? Because you're under the grace and mercy of Jesus. And then lastly, Jesus calls me to personal commitment. He does all of those things. And it's sort of like depositing money in a relational bank. And then he, he says, hey, you're going to be committed. And 
you're not going to give yourself to sin anymore. And you're going to follow me. And I'm going to ask you to do stuff. And you're going to stay committed to me. That's the relationship that we have with God. So when we look at the crazy ask of God to Homer, it's a big ask. Think leave in heaven and perfect harmony, perfect intimacy, perfect connection, perfect righteousness, and leaving all that to enter into a broken, sinful, divided, evil, chaotic space called earth to serve us, to sacrifice for us, to suffer for us, to save us. Wow. So God doesn't ask us to do anything bigger than what he's already done. Look at what the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. It says this, when we were utterly helpless, okay? You getting the parallel here between Jose and Gomer and, and us and Christ? Christ came at just the right time and, and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die or not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still yet sinners. And since we've been made right with God in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now... We can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. You know, at some point, Gomer got it. It's like, Jose is like, all right, you can go do that, but guess what? Your mistakes will not affect my commitment to you before God. Because I love God, I'm going to love you. And I'm going to stay committed to you. And yeah, you're going to make some mistakes. Uh, but I'm going to come to you and I'm going to speak truth to you. And I'm going to take you in again. And I'm going, to, I'm going to recommit myself. And when you look at this passage from Romans 5, it's just, it's just like that. Gomer was helpless. I am helpless. At just the right time, this crazy situation develops where a guy responds to a crazy ask from God and 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 and, home, and Hosea enters Gomer's life, and all of a sudden she's thinking, "I'm never gonna get out of this situation. I'll be a prostitute forever." And she's hopeless and she's in despair. And then all of a sudden, it's like, "I want you." You know that was us. So we were helpless. At the right time, Christ sacrificed for us. He left heaven to enter our lives. And he makes us right. He lifts us out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He sets our feet on a rock. He gives us a firm place to stand. And then new things, a whole new life comes about. And all we have to do is say yes. And if you say yes, you can rejoice in a wonderful new relationship with God because Jesus 
came and rescued you, just like Homer, I mean Homer, just like Hosea rescued Gomer. Wow. So I don't know what Hosea's initial response was to go marry a prostitute, but we know it went against all norms, right? All societal norms, all honor, all dignity. And then we have Jesus did the same thing. He said yes to God. So what Jesus models for us is meant for us. What Hosea, what God chose to put in the Bible, that crazy ask to go marry a worthless prostitute, that's there for us. So I don't know what's going on in your life right now, but I do know this. I do know that God is asking you to, to go there in faith. And I don't know what there is, but it's a stretch. And it's a big ask. And right now I just see these little fires of commitment that, that look like little embers. The Holy Spirit is, is blowing on that ember of commitment and it's turning into a big fire of commitment and confidence that's going to say yes to God. And on the other side of that, there's going to be more things purified and set on fire by God's Spirit because one man in a unique situation says yes to this, this thing he knows he can't do by himself. He can't get through it by himself. He doesn't have the emotional capacity to do it. But God is asking. God is trustworthy. And this is where we learn some truths that we're going to close with today. When God makes a big ask, it's synonymous with big trust. And the reason why we say yes to Jesus when he asks us to do what is counterintuitive, what doesn't fit the culture, whatever, is because he's earned our trust. How do you do that? By doing this. He said yes to a crazy ask from God in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, is there a plan B? If not, your will be done, not my will. Wow. And he rescued us by saying yes to God in that moment. So a big ask is synonymous with big trust. And Christ has earned your trust. A big ask is synonymous with big love. So not only do we trust God, and not only did, did Jesus earn it, but you know what Jesus said to the disciples? Because he was going to ask them to do some pretty crazy stuff, like go win a city to him where people didn't like the name of Jesus. And just a few weeks prior, all of them had run for the hills when Jesus was being crucified. He was going to ask them to go back. But you know what he said to them as he was having kind of his final huddle and before they were going to go do that? He said, greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Again, big trust in Jesus because of the cross. How do we know we're loved? And it's, it's, through, the, it's through his sacrificial love as well. And that, that, that love that came from Jesus through sacrifice creates loyalty. That's how guys work too, man. We're, our love is loyal. Right? We're loyal to those who are loyal to us, and Jesus was loyal to the end. 
for you until he gave up his spirit and said it's finished. And then third, our lens toward responding to the crazy asks of God is that when there's a big ask, you have a bigger God, right? With man, impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So I don't care if you have what you see as a dead marriage. God's bigger than your dead marriage. I don't care if you're looking at your checkbook or online or on your app and you see 15 bucks in your checking account. God's bigger than your capacity to earn money and he has all those resources, right? But you need to recommit yourself to him, right? I don't care if you're looking at this cultural moment and you just feel so hopeless, all right? God's bigger than this cultural moment. Always has been, always will. He's over what he creates and he is at work. And with eyes of faith, you need to get recommitted to him, reconnected to his people and repurposed. You need to get into God's word and get into community and start living out and working out what God has worked in when it comes to your faith. Because you have hope, and it's alive and well, and his name is Jesus. So let's wrap it up. Let me say this. I know God has already asked you to stretch. It's his way. Could be marriage, finances, uh, a work situation, getting honest about some secret thing. All right? Maybe you're called to love someone that presently is unlovable. Or maybe you're being called in a big way to sacrifice the life you thought you'd be living right now for the life God has called you to live. I don't know what it is, but you're going to say yes today in faith. And we have just heard the reason why. Because Jesus has earned our trust. Uh, Jesus, his love has earned our yes, and God's bigger, all right? So that's how we're going to pray. Let's lean in, and this is your time with God. Just put down your pencils, your Bible, lean in. Some of you are on a jog right now. Just keep your eyes open. Don't run into anything, but give God your heart and your soul and your insides right now, and we're going to the altar, and we're going to put ourselves, God has asked us to present ourselves a living and holy sacrifice where whatever happens is going to happen, but we're going to present ourselves and we're going to put ourselves into his hands. God is asking as the potter for permission to mold and shape your future. And in faith, we say, yes, yes, Jesus, you're the potter. I want you to shape my life. The vine is requiring that you depend on it as a branch. And so we're saying, yes, Jesus, I know I'm a branch. And all life is from you. I can't do this on my own. The shepherd is saying, I want you to direct you. Stop trying to direct yourself. You're going to get yourself hurt. So come back. And listen to my voice. Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. This is your time of recommitment, men. It's your time to release all control of your life to Jesus Christ. Tell him, 
Jesus, today, I release the things I've been holding on to to you. Today, I release all control and I surrender my life to you. Thank you for just at the right time dying for me. Continue to rescue me even when I wander. Thank you, Jesus, that all who wander are not lost. They can return. They're called prodigals. And right now, there are many prodigals watching and listening to the sound of my voice right now. And Jesus is calling you home. He's coming to tell you again, just like Hosea did, I love you. And I need you to recommit to me. And we're going to go on an adventure together. But it's not going to be the life you've been living. It's going to be the life I'm calling you to live. God, thank you for this, this community of men all around the world. Lord, continue to fan the flame, God, the embers of commitment. I see them. They're growing today. Thank you for the decisions, phone calls, text messages that reflect this new commitment, this new work that you're doing in people. Thank you for the new communications, the new choices, and for the ripple effect of men saying yes to a crazy ask from a loving God. In Jesus' name, and God's men said, amen.